Hello and welcome to another edition of the Richard Haynes Real Estate Show. I am your host, Richard Haynes of Manhattan Pacific Realty. We are a small real estate brokerage here in Los Angeles, mainly focused on the South Bay areas of Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach, Redondo Beach, and the Palace Verdes Peninsula. We've got another great episode on hand for you today. It is February 10th, 2022. I hope you are now into the swing of things in the new year. We are firmly into February and rolling. Last week, we talked about how strong the fourth quarter numbers were year over year and how the kickoff to this year has been incredibly strong in our local real estate markets. So tough for buyers, sellers getting top dollars. We were talking about anecdotal evidence of properties selling for 25% higher and huge aspirational sales prices that just might happen and have ripple effects across the market. We are in a crazy, strong South Bay real estate market. But for this week, we're going to take a little bit different approach here in terms of real estate. We're not going to be talking about home values or affordability. We are going to be talking about Black History Month. It is February. So February each and every year is Black History Month. It is a time for us to honor African-American achievements and raise awareness about Black history. And so what I'm going to try and do is is apply some of that here to our local real estate and how we can improve things for all uh, in our local real estate, but specifically for our black neighbors and also neighbors of color, anyone who essentially isn't white. And I know it's an uncomfortable topic for, you know, some people to hear or listen to. It's even something that I'm getting used to to speaking about, but I made a pledge back in, I think it was June of 2020, during the Black Lives Matters, when that really came to the forefront during the pandemic, that I wanted to speak about these matters to make sure we have more inclusive neighborhoods here in the South Bay, and in fact, not stop until we have the most inclusive neighborhoods where everyone is included and has a fair shot and is happy to live here in the South Bay because it's a great place to be and everyone should feel welcome and at home in our South Bay cities. So what I'm going to talk about for this month and and to talk about for Black History Month is really three topics like I normally do. One is local history on real estate. And in the past, I've talked about restricted covenants in you know other areas of town. I'm actually going to focus specifically on local real estate history on the Palos Verdes Peninsula. Unfortunately, it's a little bit ugly. It's unfortunate. But it's something we've got to speak about so that we don't make the same mistakes as people did in the past, as well as making Palos Verdes more inclusive. Number two, I'm going to share personal experience with African-American clients and the challenges that they go through, the thoughts that they've shared with me, and some instances of representing clients where they had a concern and I brushed it off as, hey, the South Bay is inclusive. The South Bay uh, is colorblind. And I didn't take it as seriously as I should have because I was naive and uneducated on the subject. And I want to share those experiences of how I'm getting better and how I want to help represent clients in an even better manner. And hopefully it helps you when you buy or sell real estate on how to make this a 
fair, and honest real estate market for all. And then, of course, wrapping this up on new ways to consider how we buy and sell and approach real estate, not just for the South Bay, but throughout California and the country, because there are always things that need to change to make real estate more fair for everyone. And I want to get into that. Some of those ideas, some people probably won't agree with them. That's okay. This is, uh, this is about having a conversation, starting a discussion, and finding what works best for everyone. And namely, of course, with it being Black History Month for our black neighbors here in the South Bay and anyone who wants to move here. So let's get it started with our first topic, local history. Unfortunately, ugly. We're going to take a little somber tone here because some of the words I'm going to be reading to you are a little difficult to hear. And what I want to cover in this first section are restrictive covenants on properties. Early in the 1900s, companies, people were using restrictions to record on properties here in California to keep people from having farms in their neighborhoods or animals and in some cases, restricting certain types of people that could own or rent the land. It's not talked about enough. Much of this is buried and recorded at the county recorder. And even most real estate agents and, and people who own their homes, purchase homes, when you look at title reports, they don't do the digging on their title insurance reports like they should. I, of course, am a real estate nerd, and I read these links. And title companies very much highlight that anything with restrictive language that violates any sort of protected classes from employment to race to religion, etc., are deemed illegal. But oftentimes people don't click the links to read what is on those title reports. Now getting to Palos Verdes. If you know local history, Palos Verdes was a, a bare hill, so to speak, and it was sold off as a big piece of land, and I'm speaking from memory here, but it, and it may be wrong, I believe it was called Rancho de los Palos Verdes back in the day. And early on in the 1900s, I think it was sold to a local Palos Verdes family, or, or they were from New York, the Vanderlips, and they relocated to Palos Verdes to develop the hill. And they developed most of the hill and sold portions of the hill, etc. And it implemented to execute on development and selling off pieces of land, et cetera, et cetera, the Palos Verdes Corporation was formed. And the Palos Verdes Corporation controlled a lot of the land. I am not an expert Palos Verdes historian, but the Palos Verdes Corporation had a very, very large hand in shaping the hill to this day as we know it. And I want to share a title report that I received on a property that I sold in Rancho Palos Verdes last year. And I was clicking through the title report, I found some racist, restrictive covenants. And I'm going to read these to you because it's important to hear this language, and it's also important to understand what was going on back in the day and how our communities were formed. So there's some typical legal jargon talking of naming the Palos Verdes Corporation, extensive one or two pages on naming large swaths of land, book 72, page 95 and 96 of the Easterly, etc., and naming all sorts of different tracts of land that this recording will adhere to. And so I'm flipping through all these if you're watching on our YouTube channel, but 
We're going to get to Article 2 restrictions, section number one, which I have highlighted. No lot, parcel, or portion of real property embraced within the property covered by this declaration shall be used or occupied or permitted to be used or occupied in whole or in part by any person not of white or Caucasian race. Let me stop there. These are large parcels of Palace Verdes that are getting racially restrictive covenants to prevent anyone from occupying or owning any property, lot, or home in Palace Verdes, or at least with distinction to these pieces of land, which were significant, that they could only be occupied by someone of the white or Caucasian race. It goes on to say, quote, except those of domestic servants, chauffeurs, hostlers, laborers, farmhands, and gardeners of other than white or Caucasian race may live upon or occupy the premises where their employer resides. So there is an out for laborers and employees and farmers and gardeners who service those white residents or landowners or tenants, but only if they are there where their employer resides. Further, it goes on into section two, and I'll just paraphrase that any owner or occupant that violates these type of restrictions, basically, if you are not white, it says, contrary to the previous of said section number one of article two, does hereby consent and agree to be liable in monetary damages to each owner at the date of breach of a lot or parcel or portion of property embraced within the property covered by the declaration and to the Palace Verdes Corporation jointly and severally for all damages of injury caused to each such respective owner. So it goes on to talk about anyone who violates these restrictive covenants will owe monetary damages or injury damages to the Palace Verdes Corporation and surrounding neighboring owners. So it's, it's putting out there, or at least suggesting, that someone who is on the property that is not white or owns it or occupies it, who is not employed by a white owner or tenant, that those owners may suffer actual damages that they could sue that property owner for and for some reason could be injured. It shows you how deep the racist roots were here, at least in Palos Verdes, and that it was being recorded on property to keep everyone off the hill unless you were white. That is the unfortunate history of the Palos Verdes real estate market. And I will tell you, it's not distinct and solely Palos Verdes. It's all over the South Bay. It's all over Los Angeles. But obviously here we're talking about Palos Verdes and that no one, at least in these large parcels, and I bet you you can find it in most recordings in Palos Verdes, no one was allowed to live on the hill unless you were white at the beginning of the development of Palos Verdes. Let me read more. Reversion of title. The breach of any restriction, covenant, or condition established by this declaration against or upon said property covered by declaration or any part of said property shall cause the lot or parcel upon which such breach occurs to revert to the Palos Verdes Corporation as the owner of the reversionary rights therein. So what it's talking about here is that 
Any breach of these allows for the PV Corporation, Palos Verdes Corporation, to have reversionary rights and retake the property back. It also talks about these restrictions running all the way until January 1st, 1975. And then there's a way to terminate or modify these restrictions, which has to be written and approved. So who knows who that is within six months of expiration. And if it's not terminated, it's extended for another 10 year period and so on and so forth, successive periods forever until someone terminates it. These are obviously illegal now today, thankfully, but I want you to get an idea of how racially motivated the Palace Verdes Hill was in terms of making it a white-only neighborhood. And these restrictive covenants were recorded, I'm going to read this to you, were recorded on February 2nd, 1950, and signed by the Palace Verdes Corporation. Unfortunately, you can see president and, and the writing, the signature is Kelvin Vanderlip. And I am not trying to throw the Vanderlip family under the bus. I do not know them. They are responsible for creating an amazing area that is the Palos Verdes Peninsula. But unfortunately, we've been set back with not black history and black. This is ugly white history. This is history of whites making areas only accessible and reachable to people of white skin tone, which is really disappointing and discouraging. And it's something uh, that we need to talk about. It's something that we need to solve. We need to make up for lost time to make sure our neighborhoods in the South Bay, and namely here, that we're talking about Palos Verdes more inclusive. To further dive into this, this was recorded February 1950. In fact, in 1948, if you read my old blog post in June of 2020 during the Black Lives Matters post that I wrote, 1948 Supreme Court case, Shelley versus Kramer, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down racially restrictive housing covenants. So in 1948, these types of restrictions that were recorded in Palos Verdes in 1950 were deemed illegal by the Supreme Court, but they were recorded anyway. Part of that, I believe, is because of intimidation of current owners or prospective buyers to only keep residents of white color. That's my opinion. It was intimidation. Partially, we didn't have news flow as well back in 1948, mostly newspapers, not as much radio or TV. And if you have a Supreme Court case, someone's got to be able to know about this and hire a lawyer. The interesting thing, though, is racially restrictive covenants were struck down. But it wasn't until 1963 that the Rumford Fair Housing Act passed, where fair protection to renters and buyers to help end racial discrimination by lenders, brokers, property owners, and landlords. So even though racially restrictive covenants were illegal back in 1948, according to the Supreme Court, you could still discriminate against people based on their skin tone in the state of California as a property owner until 1963. It wasn't until the Rumsford Fair Housing Act actually prohibited you from saying, I'm not going to sell to someone because of their skin tone. So even though the Supreme Court struck down these racial covenants, you had so many other forces basically of this intimidation that your property would revert back to the Palos Verdes Corporation, that you would owe others monetary damages, and that you'd have to fight potentially expensive court cases to defend yourself and invoked 
the Supreme Court's ruling. But on top of it, it wasn't until 1963, 13 years later from 1950, that then it made it illegal to actually discriminate whether or not you had restrictive housing covenants or not. I could go on and on. I'd love for you to read that June 2020 blog post. I'd love you to read last week's blog post about Black History Month and me writing about some of our local history. But this is something that I think everyone needs to know about. And even though Rumford passed in the state of California in 1963, it wasn't until 1968 that the Civil Rights Act, the Fair Housing Act of 1968, actually passed Congress and made this national law. So this prohibited discrimination concerning the sale, rental, and financing of housing based on race and other protected classes. So that was a California law in 63 and wasn't a U.S. law until 1968. So I think it's important, and I've spent a lot of time on this first topic because you've really got to hear the horrible language, the heartbreaking language that was normal back in 1950, actually normal earlier and people discriminating up until 1963 and beyond that in our state and here locally in the South Bay. It's a horrible shame. It's something we need to remember. It's something that has set back our black neighbors neighbors of color, basically non-white neighbors of getting into Palos Verdes decades ago, like many white residents, and creating wealth and establishing families and roots on the Palos Verdes Peninsula. That's something we need to work on, and it's something we need to acknowledge. And this is an ugly part of white history that I want to bring awareness, awareness to during Black History Month. Moving on to the second topic here, experience with African-American clients of mine. I've represented quite a few clients on the sale of their home and represented them also on the, the buy side of their home multiple times. And I want to talk about three instances or anecdotes to share that are my personal experiences, mine alone. They don't have data, but it is an experience and an anecdote that I think is worth sharing for people to consider. Earlier on in my career, I had not one but two listings representing black clients, and each of those clients asked me, Richard, should we take down photos of ourselves and our family? And I was like, why would we do that? The South Bay, I'm assuming you're suggesting that being an African-American might hurt the value or the sale of your home. And I was naive enough, I was uneducated enough, whatever you want to call it, where I told those clients that I didn't believe the South Bay had any sort of unconscious or a conscious bias, racial bias. And unfortunately, I realized today after doing homework, there is always unconscious and conscious bias in whatever communities or, or however you are, and we all need to work on it. But I didn't take those concerns into account strong enough. I brushed them off as, oh, don't worry about it. It's not going to affect the sale of your home. This is the South Bay. This is Southern California. This is an accepting and inclusive area that is so far from racial times way back when. And I brushed it off and I'm disappointed in myself for doing that because looking back, their concerns were real. Those concerns needed to be handled with compassion, and I needed to address those concerns to my client's fullest satisfaction. To give you my experience on how those listings went, 
I told my first client where I had this question asked that it wouldn't impact their sale. We did what I like to normally do where we typically would underprice a home just slightly. In this case, during that time, it was a pretty normal market. We listed about five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars below what I thought it might be worth, and I was hoping to get two or three offers. Unfortunately, after a great weekend of showings, we only received one offer. It came in 10 grand lower, which I thought we would get five, 10, maybe 15 grand higher, and we negotiated them up $5,000 higher. So we ended up making a deal for $5,000 less than asking price. I anticipated five, 10, $15,000 higher, and two to three offers we received one. I don't have any data. This would have how I would have run any listing, and I was disappointed with the result. Didn't hit me then. But when I had a second listing with clients who brought up the same question about their photos and I had the same naive, uneducated answer, we showed their property 20, 30, 40 times over a few weeks. I thought we were fairly priced. This was a higher-end home where you had to push on price during that time before the pandemic. And we showed it 20, then 30, then 40 times. It took us a large amount of showings to get someone to write an offer where I thought we were fairly priced and after 10 to 20 showings, we would make a deal. I'm upset that I made those mistakes. I'm upset that there may be an unconscious bias, but those are my experiences with clients who have brought up leaving their photos up. It's sad. It's just personal experiences. It's anecdotal. But I think there is some degree of truth after some of these experiences. I'm going to give you a a, a second experience with clients, African-American client, where we reached on their home sale. We asked a little bit higher, didn't get any offers, kind of anticipated that we wouldn't. And we made a price cut that I thought would create a lot of interest We made a price cut, and we instantly got three offers. Still a fair price, not not giving the home away, cutting it probably to fair market value, and we got three offers instantly. We made a deal with one of them, and halfway through our escrow, we received a low appraisal. Now, to a side note, this client did not ask about photos. They did have photos up on their walls of of their home, just like any family normally does. And in the middle of this escrow, we received a low appraisal. Now, I thought it was strange because the comps completely proved what we were worth. We had three offers once we cut the price, tell me what market value is, all very close to that offer, and we got a low appraisal. Of 40 or some odd deals I had done up to that time, I couldn't remember a low appraisal with the exception of one other time. So again, I'm not insinuating that I have data. It's my experience with clients of color. And some peculiar happenings or properties not getting their full value or potentially an unconscious bias coming through with a low appraisal, because quite frankly, I haven't had low appraisals like that in that scenario for clients that are white.
And it's hard to speak on this, and it could upset some people, but it's a conversation that I'd like to have, that we need to have, and we need to talk about, which then takes me to, well, excuse me, and then the last topic of that that I'll just touch on quickly is I do have a client who talked to his wife about removing their picture in their quote-unquote love letters to sellers during their buying process, which is devastating to me because to think that the picture in a letter to a seller will impact you negatively is sad, and I've had that from black clients and also other clients who are not white who are worried about how they're perceived. So I want you guys just to think about that of clients ask about if they should take down their photos. They ask about or take off their photo from love letters and clients are battling potentially getting a low appraisal or not getting as many offers due to unconscious bias or racism or just a history of areas being more white and it being harder for people to feel themselves in that house, which is unfortunate. And it's going to bring me to the third part of uh, this podcast about new ways to think about real estate. And really, because of these racial restrictions, because much of the South Bay was restricted to whites only, there is absolutely systemic racism. And I'm not saying if you're listening to this podcast that you're a racist or you have biased. What I'm saying is, is this is part of systemic racism in a massive way. Real estate, a huge accumulator of wealth for people, a place of safe haven, a place to be safe at home, rest, sleep, family, security, for a long, long time was reserved only to whites and is a systemic racist issue that only just recently was removed and still probably affects people and their biases in some way, shape, or form. So how do we solve this systemic racism that's going to take a long time to get past? Well, there are three topics or three items I think that we need to talk about and think about and consider. And these are just certain things that I've come up with off the top of my head. There are going to be infinite more ways that we can address this. But my three topics are one, off-market deals two, love letters, and number three, how we present listings. Let's talk about off-market deals. There is a place for off-market deals here in the South Bay. I think agents put way too much into their value uh, uh, of delivering off-market deals. The MLS finds the highest and best price. I don't care what an agent tells you about the 10 agents they talk to with a stable of clients. The highest and best price goes to the MLS. If we as realtors are making a practice of having off-market deals happen more often or talk about off-market deals or encourage off-market deals, if you look back and go, historically an area was limited to whites only, that means there's generations of families that are normally white. Realtors typically grew up in an area or know the area well or have been there a long time and established roots. That typically will be someone that might be white. And then if you're shopping property off market to residents that were limited to white residents only and typically are a majority of white residents with a majority of realtors of people who grew up over the years here, 
That is a furthering of systemic racism that was unfortunately brought upon us from a lot of these racially restrictive covenants and a lot of the laws we lacked and just unfortunately the way we were as a country in the early 1900s with attitudes to black Americans and and people who were not white. So I think we really need to think about off-market deals as being part of the problem more than the solution. Even though people like to say, hey, I got a great deal off market or I sold my home for top dollar off market, I don't think it does any favors for making a fair and open marketplace for everyone and an inclusive market for anyone who's looking to buy a home here in the South Bay. Off market deals do not serve the needs of an inclusive community and marketplace. Love letters. It's common or has been common for buyers to submit love letters to sellers. This one is obvious. It allows you to see what someone looks like. If they're a family, maybe they talk about where they live currently, what they do for a job, all protected classes that allow for bias to creep in for a seller to make a decision. A lot of people are taking the right steps. There are brokerages that will not present love letters. There are agents that will not write love letters. And my hope is is that the state of California will step in and make love letters illegal. I personally encourage my sellers not to look at them. I remove them for clients because I typically see that it allows my clients to make bad financial decisions. They end up picking a lower offer because someone resonates with them, and it's typically someone who is like them. If you have a family and a family's offering you and they have young children like you had, you might be more apt to sell them the house. That is illegal. That is discriminatory. And if that happens because you see the picture of someone and their skin tone, it can create unconscious bias. My hope is is that the state of California will step up and make these illegal sooner rather than later. And I think a lot of agents are picking up on it that it just is not in the best interests of anyone. Presentations of listings. Last topic. How do we approach this? This is a really interesting topic because... The MLS has rules to prevent bias and discrimination. One of those rules are, hey, you can't have any humans in your listing photos. If you have a young person, an old person, someone working, a family, a single person, someone celebrating a religious belief, someone with a certain type of skin tone, hair color, that may influence someone. The MLS does not allow people to be in listing photos. So the question becomes is, how do agents present listings? Should clients take down all photos that tell you who they are? I don't know that answer because people are allowed to decorate their home as they wish, hang items of importance, whether it's family or accomplishments or art that they like. It's almost impossible to address this situation, but there should be ways of presenting a listing and advising clients, white, black, Asian, whatever, male, female, transgender, different religions, et cetera, of how to present a house in the most neutral way as possible. Because that not only allows buyers to consider your home and hopefully get top dollar without unconscious bias, but also a buyer to feel comfortable in your home. 
and allow them to feel comfortable making an offer and moving into a neighborhood that traditionally maybe someone doesn't look like them or think about religion or politics the same way you do. And these are heavy topics and big, big items that we need to discuss that will probably be something for a whole other podcast. And this is a much longer podcast than we normally have. But these are very, very, very important topics for us to discuss. So I'm going to wrap it up here. It's Black History Month. The South Bay has some really ugly history on restrictive covenants. We need to go back and study this history to make sure it doesn't happen again and really take time to understand these racially restrictive covenants and how it's shaped the South Bay and unconscious bias and conscious bias and racism and how we work together to solve that to make our neighborhoods more inclusive. I hope some of my anecdotes working with African-American clients were helpful to you on the challenges they have as buyers and sellers and making this a more comfortable experience for everyone. And for those clients in particular, representing them, me as an agent and how I want to do better and how to make listings and buying process work and feel good for everyone. And then last but not least, new ways to consider real estate. I'm really telling you there's going to be a lot of gripes in the real estate community about saying, hey, off-market deals are a proliferation of systemic racism. But in my opinion, I think they are. And it's something we've got to, uh, to figure out and how to solve to eliminate systemic racism created by restricted covenants, talk about love letters, and then also how to present listings in the most neutral way as possible to maximize value for home sellers and for buyers to feel as comfortable as possible purchasing properties here in the South Bay. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I want to talk about it in the future. These are important topics. They're tough topics. By no means do you have to agree with me. If you do agree with me, great. These are conversations we need to have. Happy Black History Month. Sending everyone good vibes, love, kindness, and we will see you next time on the Richard Haynes Real Estate Show. Take care. Hold up. 